Weigh your options and see how you're feeling. You know, if, if you're not sure, if you're like, I'm not sure if I'm good enough, I'm not sure if I want to be in that situation, I want to be with all those people, you know, having to commute on the train and stuff, then maybe maybe it's not time yet. You'll know when you know that it's time to go and you'll, you'll kind of have exhausted your options or maybe you're the best player at whatever city you're in. Mm-hmm. And then if you're ready to make that move, then I can't recommend it enough. That's Jimmy O'Connell, trombonist, composer, based in New York City, and that's to him talking about relocating to New York after growing up in Michigan. Welcome back to Over Here. My name is Nick Finzer, and so glad you could join us this week for our episode of the podcast. And I'm really excited to feature a great friend, and he's a great trombonist and composer around New York. Uh, he went to the Manhattan School of Music and, and also to Michigan before that His name is Jimmy O'Connell. He has a great record that came out in the fall of 2016 called Arrhythmia, featuring a bunch of his original compositions and some nice versions of a couple other tunes like Lament by J.J. Johnson, one of my personal favorites. In this conversation, we cover a lot about Jimmy's record and we cover a lot about his transition from Michigan to New York and kind of thoughts about moving to a big city as a young artist And so without further ado, I want you to enjoy a great conversation I had with Mr. Jimmy O'Connell. What's up, Jimmy? Hey, how's it going, Nick? Thanks for being here today. Today is September 9th, 2016, and your album just released today, yeah? It did, yeah. Uh, You can get it on iTunes, you can grab it off of, can you get it on your website? You have it listed there, I'm sure? Uh, Not yet, I have to do that today. On your Facebook, I've seen lots of links, so you can check it out. And you just had a great gig this week. Can you tell us a little bit about it? I did, yeah. I, uh, I did my CD release at Smalls. Um, it's a great time. Uh, it should be up in the archives in a few weeks. Um, but yeah, it was a great crowd. I got to play a lot of stuff off my album, plus some other stuff that I haven't played in a while. Um, Sextet, so it's the, the same band as the album. So it's you know it's Andrew Gould, Alto, Jimmy McBride on drums, Peter Slavov on bass, uh, Tim Basin on guitar, and Tom was the tall one piano. It was a good yeah. time. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, I was there, and uh, yeah, 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 you guys, you guys sounded great, and it was a good turnout. So really happy mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, it was, um, it was great. Was... Awesome, man. And you just got back. You did some gigs with Andrew out in Michigan. Where did yeah, you play? I did a few gigs. Uh, I did a gig out in Cliff Bells and out of Burt's out in Detroit. Um, we're actually gonna go back in February. We're gonna do like a little Midwest tour. Um, so still setting that up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it's a good time. People are nice out there. It was well received. So, excellent. Yeah. That's great, man. And uh, and it, if you if people haven't noticed, it's been climbing up the uh, radio charts. You might hear it on the radio. You've turned. Yeah, on I've noticed that as well. So That's, I'm a shout out to Outside in Music for their awesome PR team. Yeah, things are moving well, but it you know it always comes back to having a great great product. So. I don't know. Uh, there you that. go. Good, good release, and it makes it easy. So, Jimmy, um, what inspired the album? Can you kind of talk a little bit about you know the theme of it and kind of the tunes on it and how yeah, you came? Well, so, I had been planning on making. So, the the, the name of the album is Arrhythmia, and uh, the title track is, is also Arrhythmia, obviously. And I actually started writing that song back um, in my sophomore year of college, and. Uh, you know, it was just the bass, the bass line and all that stuff. And uh, I, I named it Arrhythmia because I have this heart condition. Uh, I actually show it with, share it with trombonist uh, Joe Beattie. Mm. Um, but 
uh, like, so I caused my heart to have an arrhythmia. So I, I wrote this tune and then I named it arrhythmia and I've kind of worked on that tune for a better part of a decade. And, um, but so I, I've been wanting to, to make an album, but I didn't have a lot of other music that I, I that I thought it fit with. You know, I was writing a lot of tunes for school and a lot of standard E tunes. And um, so when I moved here, I decided that I wanted to do an album and then, you know, school got in the way and then work gets in the way. And mm -hmm. eventually it was this time. And so I wrote like a whole new suite of music kind of that was a little more modern, which I didn't actually know I wrote like that until I really sat down and like tried to start writing and it just kind of came out. So mm -hmm. a lot of it's like real pretty, it's modern, you know, um, just kind of very like not swingy kind of music, but that's kind of, I guess that's kind of where I live now. But yeah, yeah. I, I wrote the album and um, I had some tunes. I had them just kind of like sitting around for a while. I played like, I don't know, like to maybe 10 or 11 gigs with it. And then I just, I just decided like it's time. So I, uh, I booked the date for the studio mm -hmm. and then I just went at it. It was a super smooth recording session. Everything went really well. This is a, for the first album, it was really smooth. It was really nice. Smooth. Yeah. So, so how did you come to the instrumentation? Well, so, I mean, I went to school with all these people and I've always kind of shied away from being the only horn player because, mm -hmm. you know, trombone is, I mean, you know, trombone is, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful instrument, but it's not always, it's not, it, it, it's, it doesn't always have that pop. So I, I want to get contrast and I want to be able to, and also the way I write is I write a lot of counter melodies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so all the people on my album, well, most of the people on my album were people I went to school with and I, or I, you know, I've known for a long time. I just thought this worked. You know, Andrew is a, like one of my best friends and so is Tim and, you know, Andrew, I mean, amazing, that instrumentation, you know, and a lot of my music is, it's just, it's more of a, it's not like a through composed kind of thing. It's more of like a template for blowing. Mm -hmm. So I figured, you know, if, if you can get super intense, why not have people that can, you know, really take it there? Sure. So that was that was the goal, and they're they're all pretty much pretty open tunes, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, like very. Base for kind of the, the thought. So, uh, so speaking, of, that's kind of you know what the band's about. So, what about you in particular? Who are some of your big influences that uh, you like to draw from? Oh man, well, so. The first, the first jazz album I ever listened to was um, was a compilation CD, and I was I was fifteen, mm -hmm. maybe fifteen. I, I was driving, but I wasn't driving well, so I would say I was like fifteen or sixteen. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it was a compilation album I bought at a Barnes and Noble in Michigan, and it was. Uh, like a jazz compilation, and I heard uh, there was a, this Bill Evans, this Bill Evans version of um, Green Dolphin Street, mm -hmm. and I checked that out, and I really liked that. And I then I like did some digging and found out where that came from. You know, I was my, the first album that I really got into was um, Sunday at the Village Vanguard, his album, and then Waltz for Debbie, that that you know that whole disc set. And from there it went, I mean, it, pretty, it was pretty straightforward from there. I went to Miles. I did, you know, there was 
you know, obviously like kind of blue and then, but then, you know, from there I started, I never, I was never really a trombone player, player, the listener. Mm -hmm. I, I, I was, it was a lot of piano and saxophone. Um, you know, I mean, obviously there's JJ, but I wasn't like a big JJ person. And so for a while, you know, from 16 to probably like 20, I struggled with finding trombone players that really, I really, I really identified with. And the first two were, um, Frank Rosalino and Carl Fontana because they mm -hmm. played a little more. I mean, the sound isn't, you know, no one has JJ sound, but as far as like the technique and, uh, like just being able to get it on the horn. Sure. Yeah, totally. Doing, so I had my Carl and Frank phase and then I moved here and everyone was playing like Elliot Mason. <laughs> so, uh, I looked up with him and I checked out a lot of his music and, you know, he, he lives right down the street from where I live. So he's always been, uh, you know, he's around and we hang out and we play and, you know, the stuff he plays is just so interesting. And so like, um, and actually, you know, it's a funny story. Uh, a few years ago, um, I was really struggling on trying to figure out where I fit in as a trombone player because I, I wasn't executing all the things I wanted to play. And I didn't, I didn't really have a sort of like a solid jumping off point for where to start. You know, there were, there were tempos that were tough for me. And, mm -hmm. um, and I started checking out Elliot Mason, you know, and uh, it really changed everything. His, his approach to the horn you know, he, you know, he was telling me his influences and they're the same, you know, he didn't really listen to a lot of JJ or Curtis. He was all about Frank and Carl. And so when we started playing together, you know, like just in lessons or just hanging out or whatever, it really kind of clicked for me. Like, oh, like this, this is how this works and this is how you make this happen. So I kind of took what he did and went a little bit different direction. You know, I'm not quite as angular or quite as angry, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh -huh. it works. This technique works and, and that really has changed a lot about my playing. You know, it's really opened me up to being able to do a lot more acrobatic or like less trombone -y stuff, you know, more like sure. yeah, yeah. playing, yeah. Nice. So uh, let me take a couple of steps back. You said uh, you grew up in Michigan. Where in Michigan did you, Michigan did I you did grow up? I grew up in Ghost Point. Uh, it's, a, it's a suburb just uh, north of Detroit. Um, and so, what, was, what was the jazz scene like there growing up? Well, Gross Point's not a great scene. I mean, they have a, a better scene now. Um, Mac Avenue Records is located there, and, you know, that's where um, like the Dirty Dog and stuff is. But growing up, it was mostly Detroit. And um, But I didn't really start playing jazz until I was maybe – I started playing jazz when I was, like, 13 with uh, this youth orchestra. Okay. But I didn't really start getting on the scene until college. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a town. It's a city. You know, they have good players, and they have not-so-good players. Mm -hmm. uh, but the whole thing in Detroit is um, everyone's really nice until you get on a bandstand and everyone is, you know, they're, they're hard asses. They're like, you know, this is what you gotta do. Like, you're not doing it right. This is how you gotta do it. No one's like, oh, you sound great. You know, you look so great, you know. So, and it's all about swinging. Mm -hmm. you know, there's no mixed media, there's no modern jazz there. So I really got my act together as far as playing tunes and mm -hmm. swinging really hard and, and getting that, that swing feel and, you know, all that. Oh, that's yeah. there. I mean, there's a great tradition of Detroit musicians. Yeah, right. you know, Frank Rosalino was from there. Uh, you yeah. know, Curtis. Chambers. Yeah, Curtis. PC is from there. Max Roach is from there. Tony Flanagan mm -hmm. is from there. You know, Barry Harris, right? The Barry Harris, and uh, I think Ron Carr is from there. Yeah. So maybe, maybe not. 
a big big tradition from there. So that's cool. So you went you went to University University of Michigan. You went to right? I went to the University of Michigan. Yeah. And what was that like? Uh, it was cool. It was um, you know, I tell a lot of people this. It, it's not a conservatory. It, mm -hmm. It's they say it's like a conservatory, and to a certain extent, I mean, they have a conservatory vibe. They have a separate school music, not attached to any of the campus, but it's a Big Ten school, so it's a it's a Big Ten time. You know, you you get there and you just it's a lot of partying and you know, you mm -hmm. a lot of people. It's, there's forty thousand people at the school, so you know, you make a lot of friends. You don't meet most people you go to school with. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. You know, I wasn't ready to be in New York when I started college, and I think I may have even burnt out if I had come here too quickly. Sure, I think so you know. I think that's something that I think that's something a lot of students, uh, you know, people studying jazz have uh, struggle with it, whether they should come to New York or or not, and right. when they should do it. And so, do you have, do you have what are your thoughts on it? I mean, you. Took your path, but you know. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, for me, it was that way. Um, it just it kind of depends on if you if you if you feel like you're ready. I think because you know, like a lot of times you can make those decisions without being certain, and mm -hmm. um, and it's a risk. It's always a risk. But as far as like you have to know that you're ready, and you have to know that like this is what you want to do. And for me going to a regular, you know, like large state school beforehand was absolutely the right choice. You know, I was able to, you know, like get some of the kinks out of my playing without, you know, having to really expose myself to like the, the scene here. And mm -hmm. so when I came to New York, I mean, I wasn't great, but I was, I felt like I was ready to, to start working and I felt like I was an acceptable, in an acceptable place to be seen on the scene, I guess. Um, but I mean, my advice to students and stuff is just to, you know, like weigh your options and see how you're feeling. You know, if, if you're not sure, if you're like, I'm not sure if I'm good enough, I'm not sure if I want to be in that situation. I want to be with all those people, you know, having to commute on the train and stuff, then maybe, maybe it's not time yet, but, but you'll know when you know that it's time to go and you'll, you'll kind of have exhausted your options or maybe you're the best player at whatever city you're in. Mm -hmm. And then if you're ready to make that move, then I can't recommend it enough. It's, it's kicked my ass into being a much better yeah. player than I used to be. No, so. yeah, I hear you. I, I think for me, it was a, the same thing. I had the same moment. Like it was just one of the, on a gig and just looked over and just kind of like, oh, this is it. I'm done. I got to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. So um, this is your first album as a leader and uh, just kind of thinking back to the whole process from recording and then kind of figuring out what you're going to do with the release and everything. What were some of the challenges that you faced and how could you offer some advice to somebody that's trying to start up their own group or write their own music? Man, well, uh, for me, um, there were a lot more challenges than I expected and then the, the places where I expected it to be challenging it didn't always necessarily line up, you know, like there were some things that I thought were going to be really tough and uh, it turned out to be super easy. Um, and then there were some things that I thought were going to be really easy and turned out to be really, you know, like just like little snags here and there. Um, mm -hmm. the first thing I can say for me was setting deadlines important. Um, you know, uh, I wasn't sure I was ready to, rec I mean, I wanted to record, but I, you know, I was just always on the fence, you know, like, Oh, am I ready? And then one day I just, you know, called up the studio. I was like, put this day down. 
you know, I want to record. And then they were like, okay, so you have to leave, you know, a half, a half, like half of the pay as a deposit. And that was it. You know, I paid the money and then it was locked in. And that really forced me to get everything like really moving towards, and it wasn't necessarily an organic thing. I wasn't necessarily at that point. Like I was, I mean, I was sure, but you know, you always have questions, but you give yourself deadlines and then when that day shows up, you just better be ready. And that really helped me. Um, As far as leading a band, you know, when the musicians here, everyone's so professional and everyone's so good that it's not like, you know, I have to hold their hand, anything they have to hold my hand, like through the whole process of like rehearsing music and stuff. Right. But as far as, you know, getting ready to do an album and getting ready to start your own band, you know, make sure the number one thing I can say is, you know, make sure that you respect the people that you play with and then make sure they're also cool enough that you can hang out with them and that they're, you know, that you, you're comfortable with them because it translates on stage and on sessions and when you're playing, like if you're not super comfortable with someone or you don't feel super comfortable with someone, even if you're, you know, obviously it takes time, but the better friends you are, the better the vibe is as far as the music goes. Mm. Yeah, that's a great uh, point. Yeah, you know, just, you know, eventually you're going to go on tour with these people. So think about if you want to be stuck in a van for 18 hours with these people. <laughs> And then, you know, as far as recording goes, recording, recording was really easy. I expected recording to take a lot longer. I, you know, I booked a day uh, at the studio, which is like 10 hours. I finished in seven. We got eight tracks done in seven hours. And then, you know, I had time and that was like with lunch. Like mm-hmm. we had lunch and, you know, we, you know, it, that was, that was super easy. That was like a no, no hassle kind of thing. And then mixing was pretty easy um, as far as, you know, finding someone to do it and, and someone I trusted and doing it. Like the, the steps were easy. The, the hard part was really finding time to mm. make sure these things got done. Cause you know, you know, you make an album and you think, Oh, I'm going to make an album, but you also forget that you still have the exact same life you had right. going on, but now you just have a bunch of extra crap to do. Right. So, a bunch of extra stuff. you know, so just to, just to find time to make these things happen, you know, especially mixing, because you, you're going to want to be there for the first few days when you mix. And, you know, to devote eight hours of time or six hours of time, a few days out of a week, something that, you know, that you, you haven't had to do before is it's, t- it's tough to find the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I, I did the first session, mixing session with my mixer, and then I just, I gave him the levels for one song, and I was just like, just go. Just do it and send it back to me and I'll just tell you what I like. Mm-hmm. And now that, that became a lot easier. Um, but finding the time is definitely hard. And then also the, well, I mean, I guess the label helped me out with this, but if you were to do a self-release, I guess finding the motivation to, to really like close everything up and, and finish up. Sure. Yeah. It's really tough. You know, like you have this product, you have it all recorded and mixed and then like you have it mastered. And, and then like to find the, to find the, the, the motivation to be like, all right, I'm going to release on this day. So this is the next step, like printing, you know, and, and, and PR and, and, you know, like digital distribution, all that stuff. Like, I mean, you guys take care of that. And that's, that was a huge weight off my shoulders. But even, even me just like deciding, like trying to pick a date, like, that right. took, you know, like I wasn't sure when, and then the money, obviously the money to record and, and all that stuff, you know, you have to budget yourself and mm-hmm. so that's just one more thing. Yeah. I mean, Not there's a lot of things into it, but 
I think it went pretty smoothly for you. Yeah. Awesome. Man. Um, it was a great experience. It's been super easy. Outside in has been super helpful. Oh, well, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad it was easier in some, at least some, some of the ways. Yeah. Uh, I've been, I've been telling a lot, a lot of people have been asking me who they should release with if they do another album. And I've been telling them, you know, you guys, you know, it's been cool. You know, you've been around to help me out a lot. And like, that's like, you know, first album, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want a studio head or, or someone who is not interested at all, you know? Right. Right. Like it's, it's you're, we're friends and you, you take an interest in your projects and that's super important. Nice. Well, let's, let's keep moving forward. And so what's coming up for you? You know, you've got some other sure. projects you've been so, recording. I, mean, I, I said we had that tour coming up um, in the winter, but I've also been wanting to do, um, so uh, like, I don't know, like maybe four months ago, uh, me and the, the piano player and I from my group, uh, we played this gig down at Band Cafe, just duo. And uh, I don't know if um, you've heard, you know those Andy Laverne? Uh, the Steeplechase records, I think they're Steeplechase or Criss Cross or something. I think Andy Laverne, the piano player, he does like duo albums mm -hmm. with like, like, yeah, like uh, he did one with Conrad and, um, oh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was interesting, yeah. And so I've kind of always wanted to do like a duo, like just like a trombone piano mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, and I mean, it's not gonna be a big thing, and I'm not sure if I'll release it as an album yet or is it just like just tracks every now and then and uh, do video recording, but. I've always wanted to do that, and uh, I know so many incredible piano players in the city that I'd like to do like maybe one or two tunes with each piano player, and and you know it'll probably be mostly standards. We'll probably I'll probably just you know do a few recording sessions here and there. Mm -hmm. um, but that's next, and then obviously you know working on the next album is I've taken a break from writing, so gotcha. uh, it's time to start. You know, open, open that can of worms again. Yeah, time to go back to work. And well, you you do some interesting projects outside of the jazz world. You've been doing some other I, stuff, yeah. I do, yeah. Uh, I've been working a lot with um, this producer, this hip hop producer named Idiot Keys. Okay. Uh, he produces West, and he did uh, most definitely black black on both sides, or you know, he, he did a lot of that stuff. And I actually met him on the train like four or five years ago. Uh, he was just like, is that a trombone? And like, yeah, and he was like, I need a trombone player. So, so uh, I've been working with him for a while, and you know, um, you know, we've been doing work with Mac Miller and uh, like like Alicia Keys and all that stuff, and that's pretty, that's been pretty good. Nice. Um, there's a funk band. I'm in a few funk bands. Uh, the Uptown Party Jam. Go check it out. Um, it's a a nine piece and ten piece. I don't know what you call it. It's a lot and. Uh, that's been keeping me busy. You know, it's like a, just like a straight funk kind of heavy funk band. Um, how have you found your, how have you found like your background going, you know, to Michigan and then to to Manhattan school translate into that world? Did, did that help you or did you have to kind of like yeah, figure you know, out? Honestly, the more you know, the easier music is. Like there, I mean, the more you know, like the, the more flexible you can be. So, I, I would have to say that, you know, like just going to Michigan and, and being a, at being a party school and then going to Manhattan School of Music and that being like a really very, it's a very, you know, it's a, it's like a conservatory. Right. And then being disciplined, you know, it, it, 
it actually worked out pretty well because you know all these shows the funk shows we do and all that other stuff it's it's like for regular people it's not for jazz you know eclectics and stuff it's for regular people that want to dance and drink and help hang out and i know all about dancing and drinking from michigan and then you know the music part it's just it's you know you just have to to know what people like and the more exposure you have to to learning about music the the, the more sense you get about you know how to relate to people because i mean that's what music is about it's about just relating to people and, and making them feel something totally so do you have any other uh thoughts or advice you want to leave with uh any students or yeah i guess um you know uh the first thing i could say is that um if you're gonna go out and play your own music or someone else's music or um jam sessions or wherever you're playing especially in new york but i mean this goes anywhere this goes for anywhere you know um i know you want to get up there everyone always wants to get up there and play everything they know all at once um and uh it's it's unappealing and gross uh <laughs> don't show off just just do you because you know eventually you get to the point where technique and range and all that stuff it's not important it's just about people hiring you for what you bring to the table so really figure out what you're all about and, and try to showcase that. And, you know, obviously that doesn't mean don't change who you are if, if you're happy or if you're growing, you know, you're constantly growing. So you're always changing, but just know what you do and, and, and be true to that. You know, don't try to be something you're not. And, and that's kind of the way that you'll be. I, I, I find that that's the way that you can be happiest doing what you do. You know, if you're not true to yourself and what you want to do, then you're not, having is you're not being honest yeah that's yourself. a great point that's a great yeah. point how did you how did you kind of come to your own uh decision about that for yourself because i know for me it's still an ongoing process and, and trying to figure well, that you out know, I mean, like, I'm, I'm not any further along than you are at figuring that out but i i think it's just you know it's just a lot of time you know especially as you get older you start seeing generations of, of younger cats coming through and you, you see the similarities and what they're all trying to do, mm -hmm. and then, you know, years after, maybe a year or two after has passed and they're completely different and it feels much more honest. And so for me, you know, I, I always wanted to be a saxophone player, I guess, you know, that was like the instrument that I wanted to play in fifth grade and we ran out. So I played trombone. And so for a long time, I wanted to play fast. I wanted to play high and loud and um, trombone isn't always that. Um, but I was trying so hard to do those things that I kind of lost sight of what a pretty instrument is. And then, so when I started to really just focus on what I wanted to do and the music I wanted to make, it's, it's actually funny because all that stuff, all the stuff that I initially set up to do, it kind of came to me naturally. And, but it wasn't because I, I, I used to try to force it all the time. Like, this is what I want to do is I need to do this. I need to play faster. I need to, you know, tempos. I need to be able to play Cherokee with like, you know, and it never, I was, I was, I was always like forcing it. And then when I just found my influences and I found what I liked and I figured out, you know, what worked for me, everything kind of opened up and I was, and I, I know that, you know, trombone isn't saxophone, you know, I will never play as fast as Johnny Griffin. I'm not going to be trained. I can't just, you know, notes and notes and notes. And it also, that also forced me to think about the right notes. And that was like a really powerful thing, you know, like don't play so many notes, just play as many as you need 
to say what you need to say and make sure they're all right. That's a great point. Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, and obviously we're still figuring it out. You know, yeah. Uh, it's an ongoing, lifelong kind of <laughs> journey. Trombone is a difficult instrument, to say the least. It's true. So, so is there any, anything else you want to you wanna add on? Anything coming up you want to Yeah, talk? just make sure, you, make sure you're having fun doing what you're doing. You know, that's, that's what's important. Because I, I became a musician to not be a businessman, to not hate my job. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so it starts feeling like work. You know, you're, uh, I mean, it's going to feel like work sometimes. But for the most part, you know, going to work, I get to go play music. And that's better than anything I've ever asked for. And that's Mr. Jimmy O'Connell talking about his latest album, Arrhythmia. You can pick that up on his website, jimmyoconnell.com, and also on Outside In Music website, outsideinmusic.com, and all your favorite online retailers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Over Here, and stay tuned for a new kind of episode that will be airing next week that's going to feature a lot of artists talking about their thoughts and opinions about the state of jazz education in this country and in the world. I hope that you'll stick around for that. And thanks for your time listening to the podcast. So I'll see you all real soon. Thanks for listening.